Wonderful. Thank you for that. Who's glad that the Savior is always with them? I'm glad for that. Glad that along life's journey, He's with us. And I appreciate that mental image that Paul put in our minds. But, uh, oh, good. We've already forgotten about it. Praise God. Um, actually, many years ago, our, we, we would host a, a Christmas banquet. And for whatever reason, it just meant that um, part, of the, part of that was a theme, always was a dress-up theme. And one year, someone had the bright idea that, let's do a superhero theme. And I'm like, oh, really? So they advertise it. And, you know, of course, with that, I put the warnings out. Uh, we announced it, and I said, look, superhero theme, but no tights. All right, no tights, no lycra. And all of that, because I know how people do that, and we said those all the way there. But um, what we did, though, we, we advertised that and we said those things, but we failed to mention it to the guest speaker. And the, and the guest speaker went all out. He ordered a costume. I'll tell you who it was. Batman, not the new one, the old one, all right? So he turned up in a Batman costume, and unfortunately for him, he bought it on eBay, and it wasn't his size. All right, so I won't tell you who the guest speaker is. You know him. So uh, I'll tell you what, though. He definitely did not want to reveal his secret identity that day, all right? He kept the mask on. He preached right behind the pulpit with his cape around his, you know. So, uh, but anyway, just, just it reminded me of that. It just things when you get, get churches together sometimes. And, and Paul, please, from on behalf of all of us, uh, don't be Olympic that day, all right? So... Um, Acts chapter 6, we have been going through and talking about, um, you know, we, we're, we've got uh, friends here and, and all of that, but we're going to continue on. I really feel like this is where we need to be, and I'm just going to trust that the, the Holy Spirit of God knows what He wants for us today. And it reminds me again, uh, another story of Charles Spurgeon. He was one day just, just in his study, just thinking about what he's supposed to be preaching that weekend, and uh, he, was, uh, he was just led to and felt like he really needed to look up where the, the, the words boys and girls appear together in the Bible. And the only place that's found is in Zechariah. So he looked that up and he didn't know why, uh, why it was that God wanted him there, but he just begun to study that out. And he went for a walk that afternoon and, and uh, he was, as he was passing by, there was this, uh, this couple who were just weeping on a bench. And he felt like he needed to sit with them, and, and he did. He sat with them, and he asked them what was wrong, and he found out that at that point they had lost their children. And God brought to mind Zechariah chapter 3, I think, and it reminded him about the boys and girls who were running in God's city. And he was able to comfort, and, and you know, sometimes we don't know why God brings us to a place to, to, to preach, and, and sometimes you want to avoid it or all of that, but... As we're in this process now as a church of just, just choosing out and, and appointing uh, new deacons, I think it's important that we just continue and get a more, more in-depth or I guess a greater understanding of what deacons are. And Last week, if you were here with us, we spoke a little bit about the, the qualities of the deacon and talked a little, went through the, the list there in Acts chapter 6 and also 1 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, went through that together. We're going to visit those areas again today. And obviously, we read those names again today, and we read those, uh, the, that passage of Scripture again. 
And so I want you to key in this morning and, and just bear with me as we go through the rest of just this study. And we're going to talk this, this morning about the two, uh, two things that, that was left over as far as what we need to understand about deacons. And that's the first one, the relationship of deacons. But then, then secondly, I want to finish on the rewards of deacons. Because, you know, when, when we do something for God, God is, is not only so gracious and, and, and so, uh, so able to guide us and give us truth to follow, He also adds to that the reward of it. And that's, that's really the truth of the matter in your life. When you work for God and you, you're just in the place where God would have you to be, not only is it just a blessing that, that we do that and God is pleased with that, He, on top of that, rewards us. Isn't that a gracious God? That is an absolutely gracious God. And I want to encourage you all as we're thinking about this, that actually when we do what we're supposed to do in line with what God says, then some things happen and there's a great reward of that. And I want to encourage you about that because sometimes we can get into the, the mode of serving God and maybe we are in our place and we have found what we're supposed to be doing, whether it's you're the deacon or uh, you're in a position of ministry or just simply God just calls you to just be a faithful member of the church, serving in whatever capacity that you, and opportunity you have. I want to tell you that it's not just about the service. It's actually all about the relationships that God will give you and then the reward that corresponds with that. And when you think about the situation that the, the early church found themselves there in Jerusalem, they, we understand that there's the, there was really an explosion of growth in the church, and we spoke about that a little bit, how, how really because of that there were the issues between the, 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 the widows of the Grecians, that they were being neglected in the daily ministration, and God's response to that was to raise up seven men full of the Holy Ghost in the church who we really know to be the deacons of the church. And God adjusts in the, in the need for that. He understood the need. And, and what it was, though, was that the deacons needed to play their part so that relationships in the church can be helped. Because we, there was two groups that were starting to come about, and there was a real need. There was a real frustration. There was a real, uh, real clash of, of, of desires there. And so God raised up these deacons to, to just help a relationship in the church. To just help understand that, that the, really that, that need can be met within the body. And, you know, that's how God designs a body. Within ours, you know, you, the, 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 the way God designed our bodies, we have everything we need within us, if it's a healthy body, to be able to fight off diseases, fight off uh, schism, fight off those things if we're the body that we're supposed to be. And, and so within the body of the church, Within the members of it, God then puts different offices. All right, God puts, as we know, we have the, the office of the pastor. That's the one who the Bible says is the overseer. He's the bishop. He's the elder in his approach, in his respect. He is the pastor, the one who was to lead the church. But then we also have the deacons who we learned last week is the chief servants of the church. They are the ones who, through their practical help and, and, and spiritual filling, they're able to meet the needs of the body and serve alongside the pastor and, and help then rather than, uh, than, than putting away the, the, the focus of the pastor to, uh, to, to serving tables per se, you have them taking that, um, that burden off so that the pastor can then have the focus of prayer and the Word of God. 
right? That's the primary concern of the office of the pastor. And so God, in His wisdom, God, in His design, He puts within the construct of the body, the church, really the, these deacons who really are, are, are helping with different parts of the body, strengthening relationships in the church, and bringing the, the church together so that there can be the design of it and then the result of it that we'll see in a little while. You understand the deacons, when they understand the responsibility, it's one of relationship that then produces great reward. And so we're going to observe these two dynamics that we're going to see in Scripture today and really look at the different relationships that the deacons have. And, and I, I looked at the way I outlined this, and if you looked at the back there, you're going to see 10 points and you got really nervous this morning, all right? But it's actually two points with a few subheadings, all right? If that makes you feel better, you can pay attention a little bit more. But the first thing is this, the deacons' relationships. And firstly, it's got, we've got to start with this, the deacons' relationship with the Lord. All right, we read earlier that they are to be men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And I want to tell you that, that we can't take that for granted. You know, sometimes it's the basics of the Christian life that we just need to revisit. You know, when, when, when a deacon and any, really any of us, when we're walking with God like we should, when we're walking with Him, when there's a fervency there, well, you know what we're going to find? We're going to find our satisfaction in Him. We're going to find that the, the things that we're supposed to be doing, we, we're, we're energized for that and we're given the, 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 just the resolution and the resilience to be able to just continue on in the thing that we're called to do. And we've got to start with deacons that are full of the Holy Ghost. The deacon has to start with his relationship with the Lord. And you know, when you're looking out amongst us, as the Bible commands us to amongst those of us in the church, you've got to look at those who just have a fervent walk with God. And I think about even uh, Peter, uh, who was uh, just, and, and his, his comrades there, they were just really fishermen and they were just plain men. But in, in Acts chapter 4, we, we know earlier that, that uh, about them, they were astounded at the words that they spoke and they were astounded at the fact that these fishermen, these plain men, these Men who weren't specially educated, they weren't specially eloquent, suddenly were speaking forth great truths, suddenly had a presence about them, and the difference was they had concluded this, they had been with Jesus. You know, it's, there's a lot of things that, that really comes up in, in when people are together. In a church setting, there's great, it's great things that, that just come about, and, and when people are together, there's the combination of personalities and the combination of needs and the combination of stages of life that you've got to cater for and understand. And all of that can get overwhelming. All of that can become something that can, can come, uh, come over us and suddenly we're, 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 not, we're no longer feeling like and, and sensing that we can do the job. But you know what is foundational to all of that is really our walk with God. You know, the deacon's got to have a close relationship with the Lord. He's got to be one that is in the Word of God and is seeking the, 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 the God of the Word. And he's able to then look there and see Jesus and, and understand who He is and have that closeness with Him. The Bible tells us that if we abide in Him and He in us, we're going to bear much fruit because without Him we can do nothing. 
And listen, church, if I can remind you just generally this morning, if we're thinking about being a fruitful church and we're thinking about the, being the kind of individual Christian that will just bear fruit for Christ, listen, stop looking elsewhere. Look at your life with Christ. Look at your fellowship with Him. Look at the joy that you're supposed to have in Him. Look at the, the fruitfulness that abounds out of that. And there really is the foundation of all things. You know, if you're here this morning, if you're not saved, then you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You, you actually, you can try to seek Him. And if you seek Him, you'll find Him. But you're going to have to seek Him through the means of which He's given. And that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to understand that He's your Savior. You've got to turn to Him. And, and, and listen, the deacon's relationship with the Lord is really important. And he's got to have this as a priority. I'll tell you what, again, if I could just, just by way of testimony, I understand firsthand how busy a deacon's life can be. And uh, I remember growing up in, in our household, and it just seems to be whenever dad was out the door, it wasn't for any type of leisure. He was just going about, it was serving, he was going to the next thing, to the other thing, and meeting this need, and trying to fix that thing, and sit with this person. And it was just a very, very busy time. And I, I'm, I'm glad for, for the fact that my dad... And those other men who have, I've had the experience of being with, I'm so glad that they had a walk with God because I'll tell you what, that was the only way they got through it. And I want to tell you that as we're listening to this as well, I hope that you're listening down in your mind how, how to pray for those that God's going to appoint. Pray for their relationship with the Lord to be fervent. Pray that they would walk with God. Pray that they would have a daily uh, closeness with the Savior and that they would abide. And so the first one I would say is the deacon's relationship with the Lord. The second was the deacon's relationship with his family. And we read that, look, at, look back by way of remembrance, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you could keep your finger there and, and then also there in the book of Acts, we'll, we'll be turning from, from both in, in different places, but mainly there. But 1 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 11. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. And so there's a, there's a relationship there. There's a reliance between the, the, the deacon and his family, his household. Uh, if, if there was an area that often gets attacked, it's the household. You know, the, there's a saying if you lose your ministry, you'll still have your family. But if you lose your family, you'll lose both. And the reality is that there's, there's a balance. And that's why I think God in his wisdom, he, uh, he afforded them those seven men. There's a, there's a group there according to the need. And I think that there, there was a, a realization there that, the, that accordingly to the need, because they have also their families to be able to look after. And that's really important. You know, sometimes you can, uh, the, you get so busy, and especially if you, you love what you do for the Lord. I know that's with me. Sometimes I've got to be reminded, and, and I'm, I'm glad for my wife who, you know, our relationship is this. We're really open, and she can tell me. She can tell me when I'm overdoing it. I'll tell you, it's easy for me to overdo. I love what I do. <laughs> can you tell? I love it. All right? Man, I can get up on, on a Sunday and it could have been the, the worst week. And man, I'm up for it. Hey, you want to talk ministry? Yeah, call me. Hashtag ministry nerd. That would be me. Listen, I love it. I love the work of God. And I could get carried away with doing that. 
well, listen, I'm not going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day and just speak about the ministry. I'm going to stand in the judgment seat of Christ and, and make an account for my family. And listen, deacons do too. And it's not just about, well, that disqualifies them. Listen, that's, that's short-sighted. There's meant to be that, that relationship is meant to be fostered. And, and, and you know, for, for those men who are, are going to be appointed, for those who are in that, uh, if I can remind you about your home relations, and if I can remind you the Bible's imperative for marriage, how we're supposed to dwell with our wives according to knowledge and giving honor unto the wife, unto the weaker vessel. And, and husbands, it says to love your wives, even as Christ Love the church. Listen, we, we, we have such a low standard of marriage today. Like just live together and, you know, provide. Hey, listen, the Bible says, husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Listen, look at how Christ loves the church. Look how sacrificial you know, sometimes men can just become about themselves. Christ was never about him. He, he, he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Why? For the joy. He saw joy in his bride. And I want to remind, you know, one of the considerations that we have, certainly the quality of the deacon is just his quality of family life. That ought to be there. But if I could admonish you this morning about that, God has an imperative about that, and then also his instruction for children, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath. And, and you know, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the, of the Lord, you know, there's a time, and, and we all just hit that rebellious time in our household. And I'm just being honest with you, all of us, myself and my sisters, we were all teenagers, we were all just, we were just in that phase, you know. And I remember my, my pastor at the time, we were, of course, a busy household with, with my dad, the deacon. We had to be there early. And there were just seasons where we were just, we were rebelling and we just were, were lazy, <laughs> if I can say. We would just struggle every Sunday morning. And, you know, bless my parents, they, they were trying not to lose their temper at us and trying to lose their minds because we had this, you know, this teenage boy and four, uh, three teenage girls. Get that into you, right? Can you imagine that? And they're trying to get to where they need to get. And, you know, I just remember uh, my pastor sitting down with me particularly. And he said, you know, your dad is trying to serve God. Can, can, you, can you give him the, the grace? Would you just come alongside him? And I remember just it struck me how important it was actually that just my relationship with my dad who was a deacon, how important that was in supporting and how God actually, he, he uses that so that it can be a blessing further to the church. But how the, 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 the enemy will just fight that. And that laziness, listen, it was just spiritual. There was, there was physical things there they could have done, but it was really a spiritual wrestle. And so there's a, the Bible's instruction for children and, and pray for the deacon's relationship with his family. But then... Thirdly, the deacon's relationship with his pastor, because at the end of the day, he was to partner with those. In, in Acts chapter 6, we see that, that there were those, those who, the disciples at the time, they were, they were involved in the ministry of the word. And in fact, in verse 2, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And, and directly, 
directly, the reason why deacons were, were given the office was to support the, the work and the focus of the pastor. Again, that we may appoint. Why? So that they can give themselves over. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, that, 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 that as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And listen, one of the greatest motivators in my life to uh, just to be a good church member, and I'm not even just speaking about the pastor. I know the shoe's on the other foot right now, but there was a time where I was sitting where you sat. There was a time where I was under the, 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 the authority of another in this sense. I wasn't the pastor, but I was one member. And one of the greatest motivations in my life to be obedient and then to be a good member was just simply this. That man was going to give an account for me one day. He was going to stand before the judgment seat and he was going to tell God if I was going to be, uh, it was going to be a profitable member or an unprofitable one. And I wanted him to give a joyful account of who I was and what I did. And, and I'm thankful for deacons over the years that in my observation and in my, my understanding, he just had a heart to want to serve and support. And I know you're thinking, well, does that mean there's just no accountability there? There's just no, there's no giving account? Listen, every man is under authority somehow. And for the pastor, listen, his direct line of authority, and get this into your heart, is God himself. Now, I don't know about you, but that fills my heart with great fear and trepidation. And you know, many times we sort of go, oh, he just does what, listen, He's under, he's going to give an account. And the deacons in that relationship, it's really important. It's got to have that, that, that respect and that affection that comes with serving in the same thing. And the deacon should have a sense and, and meet the needs of the leader that God has given him. There's, there's got to be that, that, uh, that relationship. I think about David. You know, in Psalm, 2 Samuel 23, verses 15 and 16, David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he imagined all of that effort. And, and, and I, I love studying through the David's mighty men. You know, there's definitely those that you just would definitely want on your side. You know, he had a guy, he said, you know, you want me to cut his head off? And he could cut his head off. And he had all these guys who just surrounded him to, to protect him, but we understand the principle in that. The principle was they, they, they understood the need. They understood how to support him. They understood that, that what, was ne what was needed at the time was just, just this desire to be filled in his life, and they went about and did that. And, you know, the flourishing of that in that partnership is, is really going to be brought out later on in the reward. Because what happens is, is when the pastor can focus in on the things that he's meant to focus on, and the deacons are doing their job and they're focusing on what they're supposed to focus on, is, is, and spoiler alert, the Word of God flourishes. Right? And that's what you want. You, you don't want the Word of God stifled because the Word of God is life. The Word of God is bread. The Word of God is the thing that will feed us and, and get us on our journey for the Lord. And you don't want that stifled. You don't want to be begging for bread. And so it's important, the deacon's relationship with his pastor, the deacon should display loyalty and obedience. You know, I think about that picture of the armor bearer. 
And there's that, that idea and understanding that there's a submission there. That there's a hierarchy. That God in His wisdom has given order not just to households but to the house of God. And so there's that relationship. And I want to tell you that one of the greatest blessings I've had in the, in, in the recent months and the recent year that, uh, and a half that I've been here is just to sit and hear and pray and, and their heart. The privilege I've had over the years of serving as a pastor, sitting with, with different deacons who just, just were supportive, who just had a heart for the church, had a heart for the Lord, and by extension had a heart for me. And the times we prayed together, I remember I had my first year pastoring and, you know, I, was, I was, could have been excused to say, hey, he's pretty young in the ministry. And, you know, these men, and the intimidating thing for me was those men who were my deacons at the time, they were just, they were the ones that were my Sunday school teachers. Some of them, they, I sat in their car as they helped me learn to be a better driver they sat with me and taught me how to actually go through the Bible with someone. They were those men. And now I was meant to be their leader. Now I was meant to be the one teaching them some stuff. And so I remember sitting with them and I, and I said, look, men, I, I, I think we really need to do this. And I said, we need to fast for a couple of days. I'm coming into this new year. I started in September. It was the following December, heading into the, the new year. I said, men... I think we need to fast. I, I really do. I really feel like, and, and you know, I was talking to those men and some of them had never done much of a fast, maybe a day here or there. But the Lord laid it on my heart that it was going to be a four-day fast. And so four days, I said, can you do it? And I remember some of the men, they were like, oh, I've never done that before, but pastor, if that's on you, then let's do that. And I remember going up to the Blue Mountains. It was a beautiful spot that we found. And, you know, all week we just fellowshiped together. All week we just sat before the Lord and prayed. And we had no food. And, and listen, when you get a group of men who have no, don't want food, you know, that's a recipe sometimes for other things, right? But to their credit and to their heart for the Lord, they just, they just went. And we, I remember praying for four days with them. And, you know, I'm, I'm, along the way there were conversations about, you know, oh, when we're done the food we're going to eat, and, you know, all of that. And that's, like, sort of counterproductive, man. But we sat, and I remember just the, the camaraderie that was built from that. I remember that year was a fantastic year of ministry. We were seeing some things done for the Lord. But there was that relationship that was fostered. And it is that. It's not, it's not just, you know, it's not just a commanding officer giving commands. No, it's a relationship. It's a coming together. It's a bonding of heart so that the, the work of God can be achieved. And so there's that relationship with the pastor. But then fourthly, and, and it pertains to really us as a church, the deacon's relationship with the church staff. You know, there were others in, in this group and there were others that were working the ministry. And, and we have as a church, we've got the privilege of, of supporting others to, to support the work of the ministry specifically. And I want to tell you that the deacon's relationship with the church staff, there, was, there were other members there who were, we would, mod, in a modern expression of it, the pastor, pastoral team and staff. And I want to tell you that the deacon should love. The deacon should encourage this. The deacon should assist and pray for and, and, and not, not direct the church staff. The, you know, the, the, uh, 
the associate pastor should be the associate pastor, not the associate deacon. And I'm not saying we have, we have that right now, but as God allows that into the, the ministry and the work and the need for that, the staff should be answering only to the pastor, not to X number of deacons. And, you know, the, I think about the situation that they found themselves in Acts chapter 15, where there was a council there considering what was happening with the Gentiles and how they're getting saved and they're part of the, uh, in the work of God. And I re- read over there and, and really there was a group that were pretty silent in there. There was all those who were having conversations about doctrine and the need to, to recognize God moving in the lives of Gentiles as well. But you know, there was a group silent there, and that group were the deacons. They were just there. They were there, but they weren't, they weren't the ones. They, they were there to support is what I see. And you know, these apostles and elders, they were present at this church meeting in Jerusalem, and it was senior pastor James, who was clearly the one in, 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 in command of the conversation. At the end, he made some summations there. And again, the, the deacons of the Jerusalem church, they, this was past what we're reading here in Acts chapter 6. They were not seen and heard from at this meeting. They, they just were there. They, they facilitated other things. And I'm saying that, the, that not that they're just silent in that. I, I, my experience, again, we, if we go back to that relationship with the pastors, there's openness there. And there's times, I'll tell you, that God used the deacon to rebuke me. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. They do it in the right spirit. They know me. They love me. They love the church. They love the Lord. I will accept the wounding. And, and what happened, though, here in, in this, the, those others who were serving the Lord in different capacities, they were there too. But the deacons, they were just conspicuously silent during that whole time. They allowed those who had that role to continue on and they just supported the work there, and that's how it ought to be, the relationship with church staff. But then there's a deacon's relationship with others, and I'm going to start with deacons. You know, there's a group of deacons. It's, it's not usual. We, you know, sometimes there's the one deacon because there's not that great need in the church, but it's been my experience that over time, as God grows a place and God grows a people, that there are, there's a group that starts to form. Then in this particular situation, Acts chapter 6, there were seven. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And I want to tell you one of the important things is there's a unity in the group of deacons and the deacons' relationship with other deacons should resemble a bit of a band of brothers that can come together. And, and I want to tell you that, that our enemies hate the church. And in one of the ways the enemy conquers a church is to divide it. Is to divide what actually God is trying to put together, let no man put asunder. And that's God. God puts the, he sets every member in place. And so he forms as, as God, he says, look ye out among you, but it's God is the director of the church and that group of men he forms, they're meant to have a closeness and anything that needs to be sorted out needs to be sorted out. 
and, and they need to be biblical and, and, and men full of the Holy Ghost because there's going to be times where they disagree. There's going to be times where they want to approach it a different way and another wants to approach it this way and they're going to have to, they're going to, have to get together and put aside some things that perhaps in, in, in more general ways at times can divide. We've got to, they've got to be careful. They've got to foster their relationship with one another. And, you know, the primary way they do that is by being prayerful men is by being men who pray together, who labor together, who, who pray for one another, who just have a heart to lift each other up, who just have a heart to say, you know what, we're, the, the, there's hard going for that one right now. Let's, let's, let's just ease off a little bit of the burden on that one. Let's just make sure that we surround him as well. And, and let's not forget that the deacons and the, the office, these different officers, the pastor and the deacons, they're still part of the body and they're not apart from the body. And so they're support, supposed to support one another. But then lastly, and, and I think the most important, aside from their relationship with, uh, with all of these, really importantly, is just the deacon's relationship with church, the church family. Again, remember the, the original situation is that there was a number of the disciples was multiplied. So more people, more problems, Right? That's, that's just a fact of life. I'm not accusing the church. It's just the way it is. All right, that's just how it happens. And so the, the multitude were coming. There were murmurings. And so they said, wherefore, brethren. So it was even, even this group, they were part of the church. And what I'm saying is that the deacons need to have a closeness to the flock. They need to be part of the assembly. They're to be amongst the flock and not separate to it. They're to have a keen knowledge of the needs and, and understanding of what's, what is the, 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 the needs of the church out there. And they're to be actively, actively seeking out to help, encourage, help, solve, help fix. And they're to be amongst, you know, there's not this secret society of deacons. Right? They're not just behind closed doors, behind the veil. No, they're to be active active amongst the flock. They're meant to be sitting and visiting. They're meant to have the, the, the smell of the flock and understand where maybe perhaps there's some disease. Maybe there's an there's a area of concern. Maybe there's a, there's, a, there's a group that are just feeling neglected. And just that need for the deacons to just be, have an active relationship with the church. Why? Because they're meant to be a godly example to the church family. They're meant to be amongst members are, the church family's watching. And what are they learning? And they should anticipate and respond to the needs of the church family. And again, just that, that involvement and that activity there. And, and that, that, again, that corresponding to that and just brought to mind that the fact that Relationships are two ways, by the way. Relationships are one way. It's a two-way street, isn't it? And so the acceptance and the grace that we give each other is important. Because sometimes, because we're all human, we're going to let each other down. And there's going to be times where you just can't meet the need. And, and you're going to have to then decide whether that's an offense 
or whether that's something that you could just, through grace, overlook. And that's the same. Sometimes you offer help and the, offer, the help isn't corresponded to. What I'm saying, it's just any relationship, it's a two-way street. And so those are the relationships of the deacons, but I want to tell you that there's great reward. There's great reward. And I want to start with just the fact that, oh, I skipped one. I forgot this, this part. The deacons' relationship with the community. Because there were those external to the church. The Bible used that phrase, two words, honest report. We covered it last week. But honest report is, has to do with their testimony in general, not just within the flock, it's within the community. And if I can remind you there, there's two, at least two, who had dealings directly with the lost. You have Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. He was preaching Christ and then they killed him. Then you have Philip, who was taken away by the Spirit to witness to the Ethiopian eunuch. And you have these men, actually, who God used externally to the church, and the deacons are to cultivate a, a good report amongst the community. And, and often, in, in a, our world today, where we're so visible to the community, that that relationship that the deacons have to, to serve the, the surrounding, the, the, the lost, and to help them is a good testimony in 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So honest report, and you know, deacons should cultivate a good reputation in the community. Right? Let your light so shine before men, right? That they might, glor they might uh, glorify, uh, they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so there's that understanding of being a light in the community, but they should be active in, in winning and, and reaching out to the lost. Again, you, you see Stephen, a man full of faith and power. There he was. They, they were, they were, they were uh, preaching. He was preaching the word of God. And, and he was able to then uh, actually upset the, the community because of his boldness. But you know who was standing by? There was a young man named... Saul. And later on, it just so happened, you know, the Bible is preserved for us perfect, and God doesn't waste words, but he sort of refers to the fact that there was a young man, Saul, amongst them. In fact, he, he, was, he was the one that had ordered <laughs> the killing of Stephen. But there was just something about Stephen's testimony and Stephen's response to to that, uh, that event, his death, that actually it witnessed to a young man named Saul who was a great enemy of the church, who later became Paul, whom you read his letters to the churches today. And it's amazing thing was that the deacon actually was the one that was the witness that Paul needed. And the deacons should have that, that, that heart to win the loss. You have Philip, I mentioned him. But you know, the fruitfulness of a deacon's life is not simply within the church body, but it's actually cultivating that, those relationships external to them and being faithful witnesses themselves. And so we see that in the relationships that we have on this earth, they can make a difference for eternity is what I'm saying. And those who serve in the deacon ministry, they've got the wonderful opportunity of being 
of being servants of the saints and sinners just like Jesus. But I want to say, secondly, this, uh, this morning, the reward, the reward of the deacon. And the reward of the deacon, firstly, there's personal growth. Because if we go back to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. You know what that is? It's just personal growth. It's just personal reward. They, they just, they, they, they purchase for themselves a good degree. You know, uh, for those, some of us here that you've, you've gone through university and, you know, you've earned that degree. Right? It took a lot of hard work. And after all of that, you still have a debt, Right? And you're trying to, trying to pay off that debt. But he's saying you've, you've purchased a good degree. You know, there's just something that you've been educated in as a, as a deacon that no one else gets, is what he's saying. You've got a good degree. You know, you've got something that you've, you've learned, something that you now know, something that you now have an expertise in. He's saying that's personal growth, but he also says boldness in the faith of Jesus Christ. You, know, you have boldness to understand and to see firsthand all that God does. And you have that boldness as personal growth. And, and, you know, I think nothing stretches someone more spiritually than serving the Lord in the church as a deacon. You know, there's been great blessings and great burdens. There's many tears and cheers. There's been sleepless nights and nights of peace that passeth all understanding. There's been dread and delight. There's been mistakes and successes and through all of them, all of that, you know what results? Growth. And so the reward of, of personal growth, but then what we've been alluding to, the reward of church growth, because we see in Acts chapter 6 again, go back to Acts chapter 6, and we, we didn't cover this verse last week because I wanted to cover it today. In verse 7, and the word of God increased. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. The word of God increased. The word of God had freedom to flourish. The word of God was ministered properly. The word of God, the, the, the living seed, the living word, the living waters, the living bread was able to give life. It was freely offered. Why? Because the deacons did their job. And so there was a great reward of really Church growth. Then as a result of that, the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. So more people came to the Lord. More people got saved. Hey, are we all for that or what? I am. I'm for more people getting saved. I'm more for more people getting to know Jesus as their Savior. I'm more for community engagement in that and seeing communities change and people change for the cause of Christ. I'm all for that. And then even the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Even those who were on purpose in opposition were coming to know Christ. That's church growth. And so when the deacons in the church of Jerusalem, they did their job and they, they filled their office, you know, the, what happened was just this explosion again of God's word and then God's word working effectively in many lives but then the last one, and I think really importantly to recognize, there's a reward of God's glory. Because at the end of the day, 
when the phone rings at 3 a.m., when you're, you're just about to get home and you get a phone call, when, when you've already come from one appointment and suddenly you've got another one, when you're sitting around and you're sitting with the pastor and, and he's heartbroken and you don't know how to tend to his discouragement, when someone ha- brings you before you an impossible task to complete and you don't have any energy left, you don't have any, uh, anything wherewithal in yourself to give any more, when you, you, you've got your family there and, and you, you've just suddenly at that point you realized, you know, we need some time because I've just been so busy in the work. And you're driving from here or there and just like that picture that we spoke about, there's just all this dust flying because you're so busy running from one thing to the next. You better have a better reward than just the satisfaction of earthly things. <laughs> You better have a greater motivation. And you know, the greatest motivation for all of us is the glory of God. Because it's His glory. It's His work. When God's work prospers and when God's work is done right and God is blessing, you know, it's not about us actually, it's about God. It's about His glory. It's about highlighting who He is. It's about helping others understand how good our God is. And when things are done right and we're in our place, you know what the result is? It's God's glory. And that's all we want. You know, the ministry of the deacon can, can sometimes be overlooked and sometimes even underestimated. But we don't, I don't want to be the church that underestimates that. We want to be a people that just is in line with the Bible and in line with God's design. Why? Because lives are at stake, actually. Why? Because actually there's, there's a community to reach. And all in all, we have a God that we need to glorify. And, and to do that, we need to look you out among you that we may appoint and we choose. And we've got to go have God's heart and wisdom and God's direction in that. Why? Because God's work will flourish. Because God's name will be lifted up. And God will get all the glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had in your word. And I recognize, dear God, that there's a whole host of other things we certainly can glean from your word. But nonetheless, what is in your word is your instructions about the office of the deacon. And we find ourselves in that place right now as a church where, Lord, the instruction that you give each of us is to look ye out among you. And Father, the consideration of all these relationships, already looking forward, we pray for the different relationships that these deacons will have. And then, Lord God, we look forward to the reward of that, recognizing that it's by your hand. And Lord, at all in all, it's for your name and for your glory. Help us, we pray, to just be a church that's prayerful, a church that's at unity, a church that is of of godly mind, Lord, to be able to look out amongst us, Lord, and pray that you'd help us. Lord, I pray that you'd please bless this time. I know, Lord God, that, uh, Lord, as the a, as a time approaches next week and then the preceding weeks after that, we're going to need your, your leading and your wisdom. So we pray for that, dear God. And we're going to have a time again 
um, just like we did last week. It's not a typical invitation. We're not going to uh, we're not going to call out immediately for sp- uh, specific things. We're just going to I'm just going to ask the church to consider praying for union. For cons- to consider praying that the Lord will lead us. I'm going to have the piano play and I'm going to ask if if that's you, if you desire unity, you desire God to direct us. Why don't you just come to a place of prayer, maybe here at the altar, maybe right there at your seat. Just pray for us as a church that we would just be directed by the Lord. And if you're here this morning, if you never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I know I didn't preach a gospel message per se, but I touched on the fact that if you're going to know God, you're going to need to know Him as your Savior first. And if maybe you're here and there's never been a time where you put your faith and trust in Christ, and I want to encourage you, please leave, don't leave this place without knowing. The Bible tells us to boast not ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. Truly, we don't know what, what this next hour will bring, let alone tomorrow, let alone next week. And yet the Bible exhorts us, today is a day of salvation. And so if you're not saved, if you, if you were to die today, you wouldn't know that your sins are forgiven, heaven's your home. And I want to exhort you, I want to encourage you, please don't leave this place without speaking to myself or maybe the person who brought you or a friend and help uh, they'll help you just through the word of God know how you can be saved. But church, let's pray. Why don't we just come together this morning? Why don't we seek the Lord? And then we'll, we'll sing a song and then we'll be dismissed.